Children's Church, I think they've already been dismissed. A little slow this morning, huh? We're going to try this out, folks. Now, I have no promises how this is going to go, but I've already been warned just because I'm sitting, don't get too comfortable and go longer. So <laughs> uh, let's start right here. I got a feeling I'm not going to stay in this seat. Y'all know me, I move around too much, but we're going to do the best we can. Um, let me start by saying thank you first and foremost for, again, for the prayers, guys. Keep them coming. We're healing up well. Therapy's going good. They actually say I'm clocking it about a week and a half ahead of schedule. I hope it stays that way. Um, so it's been going good. Knee still swells quite a bit uh, when I'm upright, um, but we're getting there. And so, uh, again, appreciate, appreciate your prayers uh, on that front. My wife is feeling a little relief now. Um, she broke my dinner bell. No, I'm just kidding. I never had one. I'm just kidding. I didn't have one. I wouldn't be here today if I had one. So uh, <laughs> um, let me just say, if you're visiting with us this morning, be patient. Um, again, normally I'm not like this, and uh, I, I'm, I'm one of these preachers that, that has a tendency to move around a lot. In fact, my AVT department, because I move around so much, has put tape on the floor and said, don't go outside these bounds. And Yeah, it did no good. <laughs> No good at all, but uh, hey, it's there. <laughs> I always think I'm going to trip over it every time I see it, but anyway. Um, so be patient with us. Um, Lord willing, we're going to be up and running soon, and uh, I can already tell you I'm not going to get through this uh, service without having to stand up and hobble. So y'all remember the uh, McCoys? Remember, the, remember that television show, The McCoys? Yeah. You know, that guy? Yeah. That's what we'll be like walking around, probably, hobbling around, but anyway. Um, if you're visiting... You should have received a welcome packet. Please, 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 please take time, fill out that card. That's the way that I'm able to follow up with you and introduce to you our ministries, to engage you, to see if there's anything we can do to connect with you and helping you maybe understand a little bit more about Community Baptist Church um, and answer any questions you may have. So please take time to fill that out. And uh, if you want to, on your way out, you can just set it on the vestibule table and someone will pick that up and get that to me, so please take time to do that. We certainly appreciate it. Um, speaking of knees, knock, knock. Knee. <laughs> Need I introduce myself? Okay, sorry. Hey, take it easy. Take it easy. All right. That's all the jokes I got. That's only knee jokes. I need some, I need some more jokes about my knee. Thank you, my brother. You're a good man and a scholar. Thank you, Dr. Carver. We began at some point, three weeks, four weeks ago, our visionary sermon part one. And then, of course, I was out for a little knee surgery, so we're going to continue with part two today. If you want to go back and kind of get a feel for what part one was about, you can access that on our website. And uh, I would encourage you to do that if you've not uh, seen that as of yet. Also, you can, if you have Roku, you can access our channel on Roku as well and get caught up on that teaching. We're going to kind of continue that this morning. Again, normally I am a book teacher. We are going through the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 12. But at the beginning part of the year, we do these topical sort of paint a direction for where we believe the Lord's leading us in this year to come. Some of the things that God's been preparing our heart already in 2018, uh, our first sermon out of the gate was on prayer. And again, focusing on the importance of prayer. And so I encourage you, if you're visiting this morning, that's where we start. Let's start right there. If there's nothing else you get out of today's message, get this. We all need to focus more 
in prayer. We have access as believers in Jesus Christ to the throne room of grace. The creator. The sustainer. Hears us when we call. We need to take, uh, not take that for granted and, and, and focus more in 2018 in our prayer life. The other thing that we've been talking about, and last time we hit on this, uh, again, the importance of being uh, fit, uh, intellectually fit, spiritually fit, physically fit. There's some things that, again, uh, that we kind of hit on that um, I believe the Lord would uh, have us do as His faithful followers. But today I want to focus on a little tail end of that, and, and, and just so you know, when the preacher's out for three weeks and doesn't get to do this, there's a lot of thoughts that go through my heart and mind, and so this two-part probably just turned into three-part. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see where we get to today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take those this morning, and let's go to the book of Acts in Acts 17. Acts 17. Today's title is Making the Unknown Known. Making the Unknown Known. Acts 17, you know the story well, the Apostle Paul traveling through and, and happens upon this town where there's a lot of religious people, a lot of false idols, a lot of false worship. And so we pick up this in Athens as the philosophers of the day are gathered in and talking and gabbing and reasoning together, but speaking of, give a plug for Brother Tyson, stop by the table on the way out, uh, our apologetics group that meets monthly, uh, headed to NC State for a debate uh, coming up this month. Pick up one of those cards on the way out. It gives a little more information about the chapter that meets here monthly, and we're excited about that new ministry. Check that out. Sort of what was going on here. Some thinkers of the day gathered talking, and Paul comes along and interjects, and so we'll pick up our reading in Acts 17 in verse... 23, and we'll look through verses 23 through 31. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, Him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life, breath, and all things. And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times, and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He's not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Father, I pray this morning that you will make your truth known. I pray that you meet with us 
right where we are. There are a lot of needs around this room. A lot of folks come in here today seeking you, desiring to hear from you, here to worship you because you are worthy of our worship. Lord, you know every need. You know what we need before we ask. I pray the Holy Spirit of God search every heart here and every person sitting on this pew, everyone listening, um, watching. And Lord, you'll speak to our heart today. You'll encourage us and build us in the faith. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that today might be their day of salvation. Bring us to the cross of Calvary in complete surrender for your namesake and for your glory. And we ask it in that name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I want you to focus on that line. I underlined it for you. Make it simple. He has determined your pre-appointed times in the boundaries of your dwellings. You ever think about that? The Word of God tells us Hey, there's a reason I haven't been to China yet. I want to go, and maybe He'll let me go one day, but maybe that's not part of my pre-appointed boundary. I'm just saying. I want us to unpack this as we look at our visionary emphasis for 2018, and I want this to sort of settle into your heart because I think this is very important. You know, a lot of times we struggle with what we don't have, desiring what we long for, not content with where we are, who we are, and what we have. God has you exactly where He wants you. And it's for His purpose. So let's think about this. We looked at this, and uh, again, the first point I want to emphasize here is God has you where He wants you. Why? Why here? It's for His glory. And it's for our good. Guys, this is simplistic. This is Christianity 101. You are in LaGrange, North Carolina, Goldsboro, surrounding region, wherever you are, wherever He has you stationed, your job, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and it's not for you and your benefit. No, that may be a spillover. That may be a blessing. That may be a, a side thing. but He has you where He has you ultimately for His glory, which in return is for our good. Would you rather be in the center of God's will or outside of God's will in the place you want to be? Let me say that again. Would you rather be in the center of God's will or outside of God's will where you want to be? So, as we think about this oncoming year and we reflect and we prepare our hearts moving forward, the text told us, too, the answer to this question. Why? Because that we might seek Him. That's what the text said. That we might seek Him. Verse 20, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him. And He's not far from each one of us. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. Let me say this. Again, He has you where you are in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of 
whatever you're facing, for His glory, for your good, in hopes that you might find Him. Are you seeking Him in the midst of your circumstance? Are you focusing on what Christ has? Look, we talked about this in our last sermon, this visionary sermon about self-leadership. And we're continuing on with this idea. And we were created to lead. We talked about this in Psalm 139, 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Guys, you're created with a purpose. You're created for God's glory. You're created for a mission. And that we unpacked last time in our conversation. But I need us to understand that as we approach this year, realize that God has a purpose in your life in your circumstance, and you need to lead in this situation, in this circumstance. And I want to help us see how we're to lead as we look at this today. So, God has helped you by redeeming you. How? By sending His Son. Salvation. This is God's will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. If you're here today, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is the first and most important message you need to hear. Just as the Apostle Paul in Athens was trying to share the Creator God and introduce them to God incarnate, Jesus Christ, because He alone is the way of redemption. He alone is our way of salvation. If you don't know Christ today as your Lord and Savior, you're here today for this message. God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. Because we have a problem. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Guys, you see a preacher. This guy was not always a preacher. This guy was very deep and dark in his sinful life, seeking his hedonistic ways, pleasing self. And God reached down into a very awful, miry clay and a very sinful, wicked lifestyle that I was leading. And by His grace, nothing I did. I was not deserving of His grace. I was deserving of His wrath. I was deserving of His punishment. You and me, that's what we deserve from God. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. While we were still sinners, God demonstrated His love for us. While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. That's the love of God, gang. I don't know any other way to make it clear. I don't know where you're at in your moment and what, where your thoughts are, where your heart is, but I know this for a fact. God has demonstrated He loves you. All you need to do is look at the cross of Calvary. That's suffering. That's suffering beyond what anyone could imagine. That's 
the Son of God taking the very wrath of God, a holy and a just God, pouring out judgment that you and I deserve. But it's also met at the cross with grace. It's met at the cross with love. It's demonstration in action that says He loves you enough to do that for you, to redeem you. Why would I not want to serve my God who's demonstrated that level of love for me? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's the message for you. Behold, today, today is the day of salvation. Surrender your heart today to Jesus Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord, the only name given amongst men under heaven by which you can be saved. Jesus wants to meet you at the cross of Calvary. And, and it's simply repentance, turning from your life of sin, acknowledging to God who you are in His eyes. A sinner in need of a Savior. And then humbly bowing before a holy God and crying out for the mercy and grace that He wants to give you. And by faith, receive that. He's paid your payment. He paid it in His blood. It's paid in full. If you choose to reject that, that's your decision. But God offers it. He is offering forgiveness, mercy, grace, a new life, a new heart, a new creation in Him. A purpose. And by faith, if you'll receive that, you will experience the new birth. You will experience a new life in Him. God has helped you by redeeming you for salvation and for sanctification. 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17, and that from childhood. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Did you get that? That the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. Gang, everything you need, believer, I'm talking to you now, believer, everything you need, you have. God's given you this. What are you battling with? What's the issue of the heart? Where's my struggle? What is my mountain that I just can't seem to overcome? Faith that can remove that mountain is found here. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. I've got to find out what God says in regards to what I'm facing. I need to be Christ-centered in my approach to what I'm battling because God has a solution that I can be complete. God's helped you. He's redeemed you. For salvation, for sanctification and for service. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 12, but one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Community Baptist Church, we have a responsibility as followers, as believers in Christ. God has placed us together, and I'm excited about the new families visiting today because I believe God is answering our prayer to add in. We've been praying. You don't know this, but behind the scenes, we've been praying for God to bring us new families for His sake 
to do the work that needs to be done. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There are a lot of ministries that go on here. And there are very few laborers entering into the harvest field. And we need that. And so I want to remind us all that as a body of Christ at Community Baptist, we all are members of one body, one purpose, one direction. And God has given us that mission. And yet we're very gifted in differing ways. You say, well, I don't know what I can do. I can't do anything. Hogwash! That's saying you're, you're in essence, calling God a liar. If you are a born-again believer, He has invested in you a spiritual gift. Now look, I'm with you. Some people don't understand what their spiritual gift is. I get that. And that may be you. You may not know what that spiritual giftedness is. But please, talk to a Sunday school teacher. Talk to a peer. Talk to someone that is a mentor. Come and talk to your pastor. Let's prayerfully explore what is your spiritual gift so that you can understand, discover, develop it, and implement it for the sake of the gospel. God's helped us by redeeming us for service. And we all have a part in that service. Romans 12, 4-11 For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Let us use them. If you are not using your gift right now, what can I conclude? Am I being obedient to what God has called me to do? Again, some of your gift, we'll see a list here. Uh, Let's continue on so that this unpacks. If prophecy, let us prophesy. If you're a teacher, teach. Again, we're forth tellers, not foretellers. Foretellers were in the Old Testament, prophets of old, but we have the written, revealed Word of God, and we just saw the passage of Scripture that lets us know we have everything to complete us. For every good work. So we don't need any new revelation. We've got everything we need from God. We just need to foretell what God has told us. So prophesy, preach, teach in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives stingily. Sparingly? No. With liberality. God loves a cheerful giver. (laughs) Let's Let's get hilarious in 2018, all right? It's okay if you laugh when the offering plate comes around, as long as you're not laughing because it's empty. (laughs) But in all seriousness, guys, these are gifts. God has given us differing gifts. He who leads. By the way, there are a couple of gifts. You say, well, he didn't give me the gift of giving, so there I'm off the hook. He didn't give you the gift of evangelism either, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't share your faith. There are certain things that we all are called to do as a part of the body. He who leads with diligence. Many of you are tasked with the responsibility. You have oversight. You're a department head. Please lead with diligence. He who shows mercy. Wow. Praise God for the mercy givers in this church. There are some many mighty mercy warriors in this place. God did not give me the gift of mercy. All you got to do is sit in my office for about five minutes and you know sometimes I'm short-fused. I'm thankful for the mercy givers.
show mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Guys, you got your evil meter going? Young folks, hear me on this one. There's a lot of evil out in this world. Let's call evil what evil is. The Bible warns us that in latter days, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We got a lot of people today calling evil good. And it's not. You want to know what's evil? You want to know what's good? This is what gives us. 1 John talks about discerning between good and evil. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. If you're going to cling to something, you're going to have to hold tight. As my old preacher used to say, you better get a bulldog bite and hang on. You find something good, you better hang on. How do you think I got Allison? <laughs> hey, I'm no dummy. I found favor with God on that one. That's what the scripture says. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Guys, it baffles me. And I'm just going to air this one out. I'm just going to launch this one out there. Let it fall where it may. It baffles me how when I was a pew sitter, Amongst my pew sitters, we're loving to one another. Man, we're graceful overlooked. Man, you run over my cat, steal my dog, and I'd love you and forgive you. But you let the preacher say something off color, cross, or don't come to your bake sale, or whatever, and he's off your Christmas list. I mean, I'm being real. I had never in my life. And I'm thinking, dudes, I do that. I'm just like you. I put my pants on one leg at a time. Now, past few weeks, my wife said to help me, but that's another story. But what I'm saying is, guys, brotherly love. Brotherly love. How are they going to know? How are they going to know we're followers of Jesus? Our love for one another. Pray for our basketball league because there ain't a lot of brotherly love going on on the basketball court. I'm just saying. Now, I'm proud of my guys. So far, so good. Ain't none of them punched anybody's you know, jaw or anything. Um, not that I've been aware of, but I'm telling you, we had to suspend. I mean, listen, it breaks my heart. We had to literally, we had to remove a team, a church. This week had to say, "You can't come back." Wow. Now, unless you think I wasn't showing grace, <laughs> we showed a lot of grace. Okay, after about technical number fifteen, it's, it's time for you to go. But that's love. Sometimes love does have to hold a tough, tough love line, right? And I care enough about the body of Christ and I care enough about the testimony of fellow brethren. Yes, I'm my brother's keeper. So are you. Kindly affectionate one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Oh man, Lord, help us work on this one, please. Preference to one another. Hmm. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hey, we got some opportunity this year. Let's serve the Lord. 
We got some pretty exciting things coming. We got the, you know, our, our outreach ministries once a month. Remember, we're outside the box in our outreach ministries. This past go round, we took Valentine goodies and popcorn to break rooms at workplaces in LaGrange. Now, look, there's some happy campers this past week when they walked in the break room and they saw some free chocolate and some free popcorn. Hey, whoa, where'd this come from? Community Baptist Church. Woohoo! Nice. Something as simple as that, guys, God can use. You just don't know. Serving the Lord. So, what's the problem then? Well, the problem is we got 12 minutes <laughs> before noon and you ain't getting out. All right, that's our problem. Ah, we'll see what we can do here. Let's hunker down. What's our problem? As you remember, last time we talked about Steve Stroop. Um, he's the one who, who kind of put this thing together, this, this concept. And, and it, it's very similar to what I do in counseling a lot of times. And so, again, the principles in which this is built on is what I want to share with you today. So let's talk about it. What is our problem then? We know these things about Scripture. We want to do these things. What's our problem? Well, it starts off like this. We dream. And look, this can apply. If you're not a believer, this can even apply in your own life as a non-believer. The principles are still the same. They apply. You can apply it to your marriage. Let's, in fact, let's go with marriage. You remember when you're dating and you're writing the love letters and you're spraying it with the perfume girls and the guys are squirting it with cologne or whatever? Eh, did they do that? Anyway, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you did. <laughs> And, oh, dreamy, you know, and you're just all about it, man. You're all about it in that pursuit and the dating, and it's exciting. And, you know, the old starts off with the first date in the movie theaters. Well, unless you're Baptist, you don't go to movie theaters. <laughs> just kidding. We all go to movie theaters. Anyway, somebody's in here. I don't, brother. Okay, that's fine. Then we're not talking to you. But for the rest of us, you're sitting in that movie theater and all of a sudden your hand's getting real close because you're wanting to know, is this person interested? So you put the little hand next and the pinky bumps the other pinky. You know the move. <laughs> Some of you did this on your spouse. I know you did. Next thing you know, it's your pinkies are... Now you know real quick because if she pulls away, <laughs> you're done. You just, just, you know what? Pay for the popcorn and soda, call it a night, you're done, all right? But if she responds, you got pinkies locked. All of a sudden, now you're, now you're feeling pretty good about things, aren't you? All of a sudden, pinky lock goes to some hand-holding. Now, now you're really getting sweaty palms. <laughs> and some of you know what I'm talking about. See, Roger's still experiencing that right now. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you, brother. So, so it, they're holding hands, and then all of a sudden, you know, guys, the next, you know, you got yep, a little stretch around. Look, you know the dream stage. It's all about the dream. You're excited about it. But isn't this like salvation, too? When you first come to the Lord, you're excited about God. You're, you're reading your Bible. You're, you're doing your prayer time. You're, 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 man, you, can, you can't get to church quick enough. You're there Sunday school. You're there Sunday morning. You're there Sunday night. You're there Wednesday night. Anytime, man, you're on the visitation. Anything going on, you want to be a part of it. That's the dream stage. And that also heads into the do stage. Now for you married people, that's when you say I do, and then you do, and you did, and you get together, and, and now you're doing life together. You're doing the work. And for many of us as believers, we're doing ministry, we're doing, we're serving. But you know what happens? And this is where the problem comes in. A lot of times that dreaming that leads to doing heads to the drag. And let's just be real. You feel like you're in a rut. You kind of hit the doldrums, the dregs. There's other words you could use there. But you just sort of spent. The zeal's not there. The love, it's 
kind of dwindled? You're struggling? You're battling? You just can't get out of the funk. And what do we do? There is no doubt in my mind that's where most of us are today. Most of us that are here listening, this is where we are today. Can I be transparent and honest with you? I've been in the drag for a while myself. Now, Pastor Dean talks about the bell curve. You've heard about that. You know, the life of a church, roughly estimates, is 12 years. He has a different number, but the most recent is 12. <laughs> but what was your number? 30. 30. Wow, see, that's, that's from, the beginning. from the beginning to the end. Recent, according to Steve Stroop, that starts at about 12 years deep now, which would make sense. We're a fast-paced world, you know. So what, what do you do? And, of course, the instruction and encouragement is, as a church, that's when you begin a new bell curve. You need to begin to do something differing. Now, here's what we do. We hit the drag... And we end up instead going back to the do. We take a hard left and go back to doing. So here's the way it looks in Christianity. If I just do more, maybe if I just force myself to, to, to do my quiet times, and maybe I just force myself to do ministry, and maybe I just try harder. Guys, you just end right back up in the drag, and usually worse than before. This is fleshly living. Okay? This is trying to live in our own strength. And that's not the answer. If we allow God to have His way in the drag, and we'll turn our attention and focus upon Him and what His purpose is in the midst, think of it this way. I've just come through some serious pain. Okay? Pain is a good thing. It tells you something's wrong and you need to get it looked at, right? In your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, but most importantly, in our relationship with God, in our living out our faith, sometimes we experience the drag and it's a good thing. Because if I touch a stove and it's hot... It tells me I need to do something, right? So I recognize that God is trying and desiring to get my attention in the drag. And so what I need to do is move to the next stage, which is the dark. This is the cocoon we talked about last time. Think about that worm that I am that goes into the cocoon and the pressure of life, but it's just still... And sometimes we just need to be still, guys, and hear the voice of God again. Sometimes we don't need to do more. We need to be still and say, okay, there's pain in my life. Why is there pain in my life? God, what is your answer to this? Maybe I'm not doing things the way God wants me to do because it's done, and I'm trying to do it in my own strength instead of resting in His. And so we need to experience, if you will, a Sabbath rest in our life, not just when we get to retirement. You know, we live life in pursuit of retirement, though there's no retirement plan in, in God's economy. You know, even when we read through this in our, our quiet times, I've been loving the quiet times, you know, you see Jesus going to the mountain, you see him trying to have that alone time with God. Guys, 
Let me just say this. If you're burning the candle at both ends, no wonder you're in the drag. If God's not preeminent in your life, you're not giving Him that time, that focus, that attention, you need to rest in Him. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. There's a reason why when we look at those Ten Commandments, you know, and you see these things reiterated uh, in, in, in their morality sense in the New Testament, we still don't murder because, you know, murder's still wrong. But Christ has fulfilled the commandments. And He is our Sabbath rest. When we come to Christ for forgiveness of sin, we find ourselves at rest. And so if you're not currently, and this is just a practical application, if you're not currently in your life setting aside a time to commune with God, I want to encourage you today, rest. Now for some of you, that means you're going to have to stop working so much. You're going to have to stop doing those extra hours at work. Some of that means you're going to have to focus on your family. We talked about these things last time. Some of this means you're going to have to stop doing to get done. It's done. Just do it. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that we, unless you think we're, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. You know, I found that when I rest in God, I'm more energized to do ministry for God. So that doesn't necessarily mean that that doesn't apply in my application of appropriating Christ in my day. In fact, sometimes it means I end up doing more for ministry. But I'm doing it in His strength, not my strength. This is our solution. What does that look like? For many of you, you're familiar. Look, God called, has called you to surrender. We know that God has you where He wants you. We know that God has helped you by redeeming you. But we also know that God has called you to surrender. And I didn't put this here, but you can write this down. When? The answer? Now. God is a very present help. He is a now God. Now is when we need to surrender. Right now where we are. Here's the problem. Most people, these are the people that don't know Christ. You're familiar with... Um, oh, his name just left me. It's up there. Bill Bright. Thank you. Bill Bright uh, came up with these. Many of you have seen these before in discipleship ministries. But here's the self-directed life. This is the self is on the throne. Christ is outside of the life. This is the, as 1 Corinthians would talk about, this is the natural man. And the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. So if I'm speaking to you today and none of this is just kind of going over your head, you may need to examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you don't, Christ is on the outside wanting to get in. And again, as I said earlier, today is your day of salvation. Open the door of your life. Receive Christ by faith today. As many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become children of God. But here's the problem. A lot of people are self-directed life. They're doing things in their own strength, living out their own, in their own power. Christ is on the outside. Their interests are directed by self, often resulting in discord and frustration. You know why the world's in such a mess? We're selfish people. Self is at the control center. I want what I want. Now, this is what we would call the self-directed life as a believer. This is a born-again Christian. This is what the Scripture might refer to as a carnal Christian. And you notice here, that's a legalistic attitude. Notice who's still on the throne. Self is still on the throne. Yeah, they're a Christian. 
Many of you, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm die. I go to. I'm going to heaven today. If I die, I'm a Christian. But you're leaving. You're 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 living out a legalistic attitude. You're trying to do in your own strength. You battle with impure thoughts. You're you're filled with jealousy. There's guilt. Sometimes it's it's genuine guilt. Sometimes it's undue guilt. There's worry. There's discouragement. There's a critical spirit. There's frustration. There's aimlessness. I don't know what my life... I don't know what I'm going to do. There's, just, there's fear. There's an ignorance of spiritual heritage. You don't know who you are in Christ. God says you're a child of the King. You're a child of the King. Imagine living in a land, in a region, where the King is your daddy. How would you live? Differently. Guys... We're a child of the king of kings. I mean, think about that. The king of kings and lord of lords. We're his children as Christians. I need to know what he says about that. There's an ignorance of spiritual heritage. There's unbelief. There's disobedience, which I think we could probably circle that one because that's why most of us stay in the drag of life is because we're disobedient. There's a loss of love for God and others. There's a poor prayer life. There's no desire for Bible study. Is there any wonder we're in the drag? That's a self-centered life, even as a Christian. Guys, you want the solution? God has called you to surrender. He's called you to surrender now. This is the Christ-directed life. When we have Christ at the throne of our life, when He is the centerpiece of all we do, that displays, it manifests in our life through love, the fruits of the Spirit, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And life is Christ-centered. Should I take this job? Well, is this job going to create a platform for the sake of the gospel? Would this place be a place where I can bring light and hope and influence? Should I go to this church? Well, is this church going to be a church that, number one, exalts the name of Christ? Is the Bible teaching Christ-centered? Will my giftedness be received and utilized? Is there a fit and a place for me in service to the King? Christ-centered, directed life looks a lot different than a self-centered life. And this is truly all of our answer. It's my answer for the drag that I was in. God's had me in a cocoon for the past few weeks. I'm ready to fly. Like a butterfly. Anyway, happy hands club. You like that one, Carver. I saw that head shake. It was just this way. It needs to be this way. Okay. Christ-centered. God has called you to surrender. How do we do this? How do we do this? Let, let me take a quick, quick verse here. You can write this one down. I didn't put it up here, but this is this is because this is. If you're like me, man, I'm a I'm a bottom shelf kind of guy, and nowadays that's about as far as I can reach. <laughs> but anyway. The bottom shelf kind of guy says, well, how do I do that, Pastor? That sounds great, Jeremy. That sounds great. Yeah, I want to live a Christ-centered life, spirit-filled life. How do I do that? 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Listen to this as I read this. Here is our answer to that very, very, very important question. As you therefore have received Christ, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Let me say that again. As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Colossians 2, 6. How did you receive Christ? By what? Say it loud. By faith. So how am I to walk in Christ? How am I to live a Spirit-filled life? How am I to be Christ-centered? How am I to do that? By faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If I don't understand what God has revealed in His truth, I will never know how to live the truth. I will remain in the drag. But if I get alone in the cocoon and I meditate and I think about, you know what? God has given me everything I need to be complete. He's equipped me for every good work. Now how do I do it? By living out what He has told me. And I walk by faith, not by sight. So my life is lousy. My circumstances are collapsing. My marriage is bad. My finances are even worse. Faith exercised. Trusting God for who He is. Standing upon His promises. Living out that faith appropriating, here's the key, appropriating my identity in Christ Jesus. And how do I know who I am in Christ Jesus? By listening to what He's revealed. He says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave His life for her. Gentlemen, I'm still working on that one. I'm still trying to have that obedient step in that area. That's where the answer is, isn't it? I don't know what your battle is, but I know where the answer is. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to God. You don't belong to yourself. Stop living for yourself. Stop worrying about your 401k and the ups and downs of the market. Stop worrying about pursuing that new extra retirement home. And let's get busy storing up treasures in heaven. Let's start being the light and the salt in the world in which God has placed us. Because there's a big circle of influence, gentlemen and ladies, and we are called for a mission there. Let's be busy about God's work, our Father's business, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beg you, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? How do I wash my mind? I scrub it with Jesus' soap. It's called the Bible that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
we receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. How then do we allow Him to control our lives moment by moment? It's by faith. I did put that up there, sorry. It was one of his last minute entries. God has called you to surrender. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's what your purpose is for. Your purpose is not for you and your self-fulfillment and chasing your dreams. It's about being fulfilled in Christ. You can't blame another for bad leadership when you are leading yourself by being surrendered to Christ. Is it okay to quote myself? I don't know. I didn't know if that was fair. Actually, it was an adaptation. I didn't like what Stroop had to say on that one. I thought, you know what? No. Think about this. We oftentimes, again, it's everybody else's fault but our own, right? We live in a world everybody else's fault. But do you know what a Christ-centered life does? It takes responsibility. I'm not responsible for other people's actions, but I am responsible for my reaction. CBC basketball team, when that guy, notice I said when, when that guy gives you an elbow in the jaw and calls your mama a bad name. You're not responsible for that. But you are responsible for your reaction. Guys, we got a lot of people in life giving us an elbow and calling our mom a name, right? And in this case, actually our daddy names. By the way they live their life. But guys, we're called to be different. We're called to be salt. We're called to be liked. And I can't blame others for bad leadership when the real problem is I'm not allowing Christ to lead my life. If I surrender, in other words, I'm going to... Use self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, and yield. Give up the throne of my heart and life. Surrender to Christ. That's God's desire for us in 2018. That's His plan and purpose. So here's the conclusion, and we're done. And we might even get out before 12.15 if that clock's right. It's time to dream again! Some of you have been dreaming since about 20 minutes ago. I've been, I think this guy over here has got some drool. We might want to help him out back there. Anyway, I was talking about you, Holton. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm just kidding. I, Holton, can get, he can handle it. Uh, it's time to dream again, though, for the cause of Christ. Guys, think about this. Speaking of Holton, Mr. Holton, Mr. Dean, MB, Gentry, some of you, and I'm not missing names, but guys, listen, some of you, you remember day one here at Community Baptist Church. Some of you remember those early years. You remember the zeal and the excitement for what God was doing in the community and, and growing this church. And there is a legacy still today. Look around you. This is a testimony of your efforts, your labor for the cause of Christ. It's a bell curve, young generation. That baton getting, is getting handed off. You better be ready to receive it. Don't drop it on the transition. We got a race, we got a leg of race to run, and let's dream again. Let's move forward for the cause of Christ. Let's get excited about what God is doing in our midst. And let's be the people God's called us to be. It's time to dream again for the cause of Christ. It's time to do with the joy of the Lord.
What does God tell us in His Word in, 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 the, in the churches in, in Revelation? He says, be zealous, repent, return to your first love. If your service for the Lord is not filled with joy, take some cocoon time. Get some Sabbath rest. And let's do again with the joy of the Lord. It's time to allow the drag to lead you to help in Him. That's where He wants us. And if that's where He's got you, let Him have His way. It's time to surrender in the cocoon and let God have His way. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Oh, Your Word is powerful, Lord. It's exciting. It's, it's, it's everything we need. Lord, thank You for Your Holy Spirit who is our teacher. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave, that the Spirit of God will continue to bring up all week this truth. You've set us apart for Your namesake. You've called us to a mission. There is purpose in our life. And Lord, I pray that you will have your will and your way in our individual lives, in our individual homes, in our workplaces, that you will call us afresh and anew to yourself, that we'll be renewed daily through the washing of your word. Help us, Lord, to apply what we've learned today. Help us to be excited for the cause of Christ. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to understand our giftedness, that we might utilize it, that we might implore it. Lord, help us to never lose sight Christ-centered life. May we truly walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to crucify self, to die to self, to empty ourselves. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live according to the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name I pray. Amen.